travellers and welcome to podcast 70 in our series You Should Have Been There with me Simon Calder and me Mick Webb and this week we're talking about rainforests which are sadly disappearing fast but they're also thrilling to visit and filled with perils as was pointed out by last week's guest the photographer Paul Goldstein. I would say probably 40% of every good rainforest story involves leeches as indeed it should. Uh, yeah, rainforests are a, a dangerous place, but exciting places as well. Uh, they really are. That's where. That's why people go. Yeah, that's why people go. Rainforests are also filled with extraordinary sounds. Now, do you know what that was, Simon? Um. Uh, it could be a million creatures. I'm going to say a jaguar. Uh, no, and it wasn't a leech either. Uh, it <laughs> was a howler monkey. Ah, yes, of course. And uh, I guess that um, that brings back memories from long ago and far away of our attempt to cross one of the most demanding and celebrated stretches of rainforest anywhere in the world, the Darien Gap. I think the Darien gets you on a psychological level. It's a very thick rainforest, tree after tree upon tree. The dark, it was very dark, you know, in the forest. I think it was the humidity, the heat and the mosquitoes and, and diving into your tent at dusk to escape mosquitoes. We had a competition to see who had the most uh, insect bites and George won with, I think, 135 on one leg. You either love it or you hate it. I personally love it and I hope you will as well. Some of the scenery in that that you'll see there is absolutely beautiful. Better to know what you're up against though, and then you can take the precautions so nothing actually does happen. You heard there in order from Richard Emblin, Hilary Bratt and Corporal Ray Wright. And those were some of the people we spoke to as we prepared for our not completely successful attempt to cross the Darien Gap. More from that later. And luckily, we'll also be hearing from two people who've been to rainforests, got the bites and the pictures to prove it. But first, Mick, what is a rainforest? And where do you find them? Well, as with so many things, there's a simple answer and a complicated answer. Uh, a rainforest is an area of tall, mostly evergreen trees with a high amount of rainfall. Um, they generally tend to be concentrated uh, around the tropical uh, regions. And indeed, you can find them on every continent except Antarctica. And obviously, the ones we know best are the uh, ones around the uh, Amazon River in South America and the Congo River in Africa. But there are also some in uh, Southeast Asia and uh, and parts of Australia. All of those locations sound pretty exotic, tropical or subtropical, but they don't have to be. There's actually on the eastern edge of Dartmoor and very close to Newton Abbott, where you change trains for Torquay, uh, on the River Bovey, there is a patch of temperate rainforest too. Yes, it's one of several actually, which you can find in the UK, mainly on the sort of western um, the western fringes. Uh, and we'll put a link to a very interesting website run by a guy who's actually trying to make a database of uh, these areas. Uh, obviously, they're not going to um, uh, 
furnish you with any howler monkeys, uh, jaguars, or indeed some of the more unpleasant snakes that we're going to be talking about in a minute. But you will see those kind of <laughs> lichens and mosses and things like that, which are very much a feature of the uh, tropical um, cousins. And where in the tropics, Mick, have you been that counts as rainforest? And how was it? Well, I remember uh, very vividly going to the Kakamega rainforest, uh, which is a tropical rainforest in Kenya. Mm -hmm. And it is right on the equator. And I have got a couple of uh, slightly blurry photographs of me uh, wearing, I must say, a very fetching black and white check short sleeved shirt with a collar, the sort of thing you wouldn't see much of these days. <laughs> and, uh, well, no, and um, also short sleeves and, and rainforests, I don't think they necessarily go together, do they? Particularly with those leeches we heard earlier. No, you're right. I, I was uh, very ill-prepared. Um, but there I am, um, grinning stupidly next to a sign saying uh, the equator. This, this sign marks uh, the equator. Uh, and also in the middle of the forest itself, surrounded by what looked like black and white um, bell ropes. You know, the kind of thing that uh, <laughs> bell ringers yeah. pull on. I never have done mm. myself. But um, and anyway, they are the tales of colobus monkeys, which are, yeah, no. really absolutely extraordinary things, which, um, which um, frequent uh, that particular forest. So that was very nice. I've also been, uh, where have I been? I think the... Uh, waterfalls of Iguazu also have some really um, nice, very wet, of course, um, tropical forest. And uh, and I've also been uh, to southern Mexico, uh, Guatemala and Belize, where uh, we will mm. be traveling, um, well, virtually anyway, in a minute or two. And uh, Central America is, I think, probably the most accessible and most rewarding patches of rainforest, particularly in Costa Rica, where there is the, uh, I think, quite celebrated rainforest in the centre of the country, but there's also a, a few bits dotted around the coast, which are probably easier to reach um, and more rewarding. Uh, so, for example, um, just if you go to Capos, absolutely a gorgeous end of the world kind of place, the sort of uh, location where you would uh, expect to find you know, your own personal Shangri-La. Well, it happens to coincide more or less with Manuel Antonio National Park. And that is a lovely little patch that has the advantage of um, just a mile or so away having um, some really good cheap restaurants where you can enjoy your more earthly paradises. But you may wish to um, uh, see my Costa Rica and raise me. No, I'd stick with Costa Rica for a second because that actually um, brings in the question of cloud forest. Uh, I've been in the cloud forest, a Monte Verde cloud forest in Costa Rica, ah. um, which of course, as its name suggests, um, is generally covered uh, with uh, mist and cloud, uh, rain clouds at that. So it's not the most comfortable place to go, but it is the best place to go if you want to see mm -hmm. one of the most wonderful um, creatures to be found in the rainforest, which is the uh, resplendent, that's its, part of its name, by the way, although it is resplendent, the resplendent Quetzal, which is an extraordinary, mm. um, 
red and green bird with very, very long uh, green tail plumes, which was sacred to the uh, the Mayans and the Aztecs. Uh, and uh, apparently, although they used the plumes, they didn't actually kill the birds because uh, they actually <laughs> worshipped them. So uh, that, that um, I, although I should say that um, really I failed to see pretty well anything in the cloud forest because it was particularly cloudy on the day I was there. Um, even so, what it shows is that there's quite a lot of different sorts of rainforest. And actually, if you start looking into the, uh, what would they be, botanical or scientific subdivisions, you can get very soon lost in uh, pre-montane forest and lowland forest and blah, blah, blah. But I think, basically, this is my definition, um, is when it's very, very sweaty, when you should be wearing long sleeves, and uh, even if you don't want to, and thank you for that advice, Simon, um, and those huge trees uh, around you have the buttress roots, you know, like um, um, mm. Gothic cathedrals, uh, and flying around you are those amazing, huge blue butterflies, uh, like sort of great big blue paper bags called blue morpho <laughs> butterflies. So I think when you see those, then you know you're in a rainforest. Can I just double check? Uh, is, is cloud forest the kind of the most extreme version of rainforest? So it not only does it rain a lot, but it, you're kind of permanently inside the the source of the rain. Is that is that roughly I, the I idea? think that's roughly the idea. And I, I think that if you sort of take all of these uh, varieties of rainforest together, there isn't all that much of them. They only cover about 6% of the Earth's surface these days. They do make an astounding contribution to the uh, uh, to the flora and fauna of the whole world. Um, I, I, according to my um, in-depth research, a 10-square-kilometre patch of rainforest can contain as many as 1,500 species of flowering plants, 750 <laughs> species of tree, 400 species of birds, and 150 species of butterflies. And we haven't even got to the snakes yet. Um, <laughs> however, however, I did actually um, broach that uh, subject with Joe Taylor, uh, who's a biologist who spent a period living in the Kalakmul Biosphere Reserve which is a huge area of rainforest in the very south of Mexico, bordering Belize and mm. Guatemala. Uh, Joe was doing research there on spider monkeys and the role they play in regenerating forest trees. Um, what they do is they uh, eat the fruit high, high off the ground, um, and then they spread the seeds from this uh, fruit in their poo. Uh, and in fact, the <laughs> seeds won't actually germinate unless they've passed through the digestive tract of the spider monkey. Uh, now, <laughs> that is, as they say, food for thought. I wish I hadn't said yeah, that. It is. <laughs> anyway, I asked Joe, aside from this slightly unsavory uh, daily work uh, that he was doing, what was it like to be in this extraordinary and uh, challenging environment? Yeah, it's it's just one of the most one of the most amazing things that that I've experienced. Um, it's almost complete serenity, I guess. And but also, there is so much going on at the same time. So there's ne there's never a quiet second. There's always the the buzz of something or the cooing of a bird or um, 
the rustling of, of leaves or whatever, but you, you also feel so insignificant and, and I don't know, when you're surrounded by just dense forest around you and you know that there's basically no, no one, no, no other human beings basically in, um, in, in the, in the vicinity is, is quite a, quite an amazing feeling. Also very hot, um, as you can imagine. Um, and you almost want to make sure all of your, all of your skin is covered with clothing and you've got big boots on to try and try and avoid getting bitten by a snake, which also just means that you end up sweating, um, most of the time, which, which the mosquitoes love, um, they'll find any, any patch of skin that's, uh, that's left exposed and annoy the hell out of you. That's for sure. <laughs> well, uh, well, you mentioned snakes. I think that might have been one of the things that uh, certainly my brief uh, excursion into the rainforest was one of the things I was scared about. I mean, did you have some kind of uh, uh, training or um, uh, education in uh, recognizing them, avoiding them or knowing what or what not to do when you saw one? I wouldn't call it training, but it was basically let the guide because we'd we'd follow a guide throughout the the forest when we were following these monkeys so rule number one was stay behind the guide like don't walk in front of the guide don't walk near tree trunks um don't walk on um lots of fallen leaves because they snakes used to like to to hide Uh. amongst those um we did learn uh how to identify because there's two different types of of snake one that is extremely poisonous and one that uses something called biomimicry so so lots of the predators avoid it thinking oh that's a that's going to be one of the poisonous ones but in is fact it, is, sorry joe is that is that the coral snake it's it's got the most wonderful colors it's a uh, banded uh yellow black and red if i'm right that's the one yeah and did you see any or get too close to any thankfully not no um certainly saw some other um species of snake i don't know what they were but um some some quite large black ones that used to like to um when we were staying in a in the village in a house they used to like to sleep on the underside of the bed frame which was um uh, so you'd, you'd have to kind of make sure and give your give your bed a bit of a kick to to try and scare any away before you before you got into bed um i presume there are lots of other things as well in uh, in in uh, those forests which um, might do you harm if you come upon them sure yeah so um so there's jaguars around which um which would obviously do some damage if you if you made one angry um one of the guides that were that was taking us in the forest uh, was was tending to his crops and uh, with his two dogs close quite close by to him and um all of a sudden he he realizes that he's not not heard from his dogs in in a little while so he goes to look for them and all he finds uh, is the bloody remains basically to be to be quite graphic of of his of his two poor little dogs and and yeah a jaguar would come in and snatch them from from only only 20 meters away from him which was yeah pretty scary to think about that they could be so close to us um but I would have loved to have seen one. I think they're great. Yeah, me too. They're really beautiful, aren't they? Yes, for sure. Um, did your did your group of researchers all come unscathed out of the jungle? Thankfully, most of us did come up uh, come most out pretty unscathed. <laughs> most of us, yeah. One of my colleagues got bitten by this fly type 
thing called a, a mosca chiclera. I don't know the, the English name for it, but it carries leishmaniasis, which will just eat away at your flesh, basically, and, and it just gets wider and wider unless you get, I think you have to have something like 18 injections yeah. over over three months or something. So it was, oh, wow. um, yeah, not very pleasant for him. Dear. Well, now you're back in the uh, UK. Uh, do you miss the rainforest? I really do. Um, I mean, for sure, at times it was challenging and, and uncomfortable, but there was honestly nothing nothing like it. It was just so much wildlife and, um, I don't know, just so much greenery and life that it just felt so great to be to be a part of it and just to... Yeah, I just would love to go back um, as soon as I can, to be honest. Joe Taylor there. I can't imagine why anybody would go back uh, to a rainforest after hearing that. Um, I would sit uh, quietly with my cup of coffee, which has um, perhaps passed through the alimentary system of a palm civet, um, which uh, is very popular, actually, in uh, Southeast Asia, particularly in the Philippines. Um, I digress. The rainforest is utterly packed with perils isn't it but, but but look there 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 are loads of very good reasons for going to a rainforest as well i mean there are some wonderful and not at all dangerous things to see so tell me tell me what what you have seen that i may have missed um well um i failed to see a resplendent quetzal as i said but uh, i think um Toucans are wonderful things. Um, you know, with those huge beaks, uh, they're great and uh, very noisy. Uh, and you do see those uh, quite regularly. Um, in the uh, Mayan ruins of Kalakmul, which are obviously in that forested area where Joe Taylor uh, was <laughs> was uh, um, forking through um, poo, um, there are amazing looking turkeys which are called oscillated turkeys uh, which are um well they're wild obviously and they look like a kind of combination of a, um, mm. a peacock uh, and a turkey and they're very good and they make a kind of gobble gobble noise as well which is uh, which is quite funny um uh i if i was to go to a rainforest again and i sincerely hope i do i would definitely go on a a night trip as long as there was a good guide uh, with a good torch who could take me because most of the um, interesting animals actually come out at night um i went on one of these things once in in panama um uh, and we spotted a uh, a um brown-throated three-toed sloth in the trees and uh, they are absolutely amazing and the guide said that um, they <laughs> They move uh, so slowly um, that uh, their brown-tinged fur often takes on a kind of greenish hue because of the algae that grows on it. <laughs> and he also said that it can take a month for one of these sloths to digest to digest a meal. <laughs> so this would have actually um, made Joe Taylor's work really quite easy, wouldn't it? Because there wouldn't really have been very much to do. 
quite. It's not a great idea just to wander into a rainforest as though you're in the local wooded beauty spot at home. But there are, of course, adventure tours and trips that you can sign up to that will visit them. Dr. Silas Webb did a course on tropical medicine in Uganda and then braved the 14-hour road trip from Kampala, the capital, to visit the people and see the wildlife of the brilliantly named Bwindi Impenetrable Forest. Well, it's a big conservation site now, um, mainly because of its home to a big population of mountain gorillas, which is what it's probably most famous for. And it's what attracts kind of tourists to make that long journey there. So the actual forested, dense forested area where the gorillas live is is all um, is all a big conservation site. So you have to go in by foot and you have to go in with a park ranger um, at quite a quite a big expense as well. It's a big kind of uh, money spinner for the Ugandan government. We were we were lucky enough to go and do one of these day treks to go and see the gorillas, and it's we probably trekked three hours, three and a half hours uphill through very very dense forest. What was it actually like when you got into the forest? I think you're initially you're what you're kind of confronted with is that smell of like fresh earth which has just been rained on. I think it rained basically the whole time we were there. And I think that's like what sticks out. It's that quite weird mix of like quite beautiful sense of flowers and floral, but also kind of rotting earth, which kind of amalgamates into one kind of very characteristic smell, both nice and awful in equal measure. <laughs> were there amazing flowers? coloured flowers yeah everything was in bloom um and everything was kind of knee knee to waist height um so you you had like a guy with a machete at the front kind of carving through it all um we weren't trusted with them um so we were kind of following in their footsteps um (laughs) but yeah it, it was it was stunning um if not slightly treacherous as well like you could easily just like step one foot off this makeshift path and you'd be yeah nearly to your waist in in mud um, so uh, it was, um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was great. It was beautiful. And did you see the gorillas? Mm, we did. Um, I think that uh, the fact that it's so lucrative for the Ugandan government and wildlife authority is that they've got these amazing kind of trackers that basically mean that you're never not going to see them. They keep such a close eye <laughs> on them. Uh, so I think that they basically it's like they give the air that there's a risk that you might not see them but pretty much everyone does when they go Um, so we did see them and we saw a family of about 10 or 15 with a huge silverback Um, and then what we were really lucky to have was to see uh, I think it was a six or seven week old baby gorilla which was amazing Uh it was like breastfeeding it's teeny tiny Um, yeah kind of just you could see it's just kind of got this new mop of hair that looked a bit like a mullet um and uh, that was quite remarkable to see and I think that was where we were lucky I don't think everyone gets that opportunity how close were you to to the gorillas you get like um I think they they get there's like a rule I can't remember exactly so don't quote me on it but probably like 15 or 20 meters away like really quite close um there was one particularly boisterous female who would kind of mock charge us which the kind of uh, trackers found hilarious, but was actually quite terrifying because even though, even not the silverback, they're still huge. Um, and they kind of will kind of snarl and bare their teeth at you, um, which is incredibly intimidating. <laughs> um, 
Now, you said you went to actually uh, work with a community. So are there actually people living in the rave? Yeah, well, well, this is the kind of controversial, and I suppose, like, at the heart of this whole story, there's kind of something which is, I think, not spoken about very much, which is that as part of the conservation of these gorillas, when the, I think, park was set up in the early 1990s, a community of indigenous people called the Batwa Pygmies um, were forced out of the forest because that was where they were living and that that was where they kind of hunted and um, to try and create this kind of conservation area where tourists would come and visit, they were forcibly removed from the area. So what we were really doing kind of as part of our community work was looking at how the health of this population who'd kind of been forced out of where they lived and had been for centuries um, and millennia um, into kind of the more foothills of the and, and out of the forest because it's quite amazing how dense that forest is and then outside of that it becomes kind of more plantation based and um, uh, kind of rolling fields um, yeah. and they were kind of for, this group have been forced in the last kind of 20-30 years to just completely change the way that they live um, and as such the way that they kind of access healthcare their health outcomes have dramatically got worse so it's about looking at how we uh, yeah it was about kind of exploring and looking at that and talking to them and looking at these new kind of resettlements um but I think it definitely changed the way that maybe I would have seen this kind of beautiful conserved forest and actually the collateral damage that kind of goes alongside that well, there we are. That's a timely reminder from Silas Webb that these rainforests are not just a collection of trees and amazing wildlife, uh, but of people who have often lived there for many centuries uh, and know a lot more about the functioning of the ecosystem than uh, than we do. Uh, and uh, it's not just tourists and tourism, rather organised tourism, that uh, is threatening uh, these uh, people, but also um, the residents of the Amazon rainforests are now increasingly under threat from uh, loggers, ranchers, and people who are um, chasing them away and uh, murdering them in order to um, set up their own uh, illegal businesses. Uh, talking of which, if you go northwest from there back towards the Darien Gap, that is populated with all kinds of uh, people, narco-traffickers, um, the paramilitaries that are either with them or against them, and us, uh, at least um, uh, around the edges, along with our excellent guide, Ernesto. Oh, I've just slipped on some palm leaves and just landed face down on the side of this one-in-two hill that... Ernesto and I have been climbing for a good half hour. Unfortunately, spending £100 on a pair of all-terrain boots doesn't guarantee you'll stay on your feet. Perhaps I'd have been better off with no boots at all. Ernesto has no shoes, yet he's been sprinting over the hills for the past three hours. Perhaps his eight years in the Colombian army helped. I spent a mere two years in the Woodcraft folk. The amount he's asking for taking me across the border into Panama, including dragging me up from out of the undergrowth, is just seven pounds. Ernesto, quanto tiempo para Puerto Albaldía? Viaje todavía nos queda unos 45 minutos. Just 45 minutes to go, then it's Puerto Albaldía. 
It was only during the final descent that I started to appreciate the sights and sounds of the surrounding jungle, rather than the speeding figure of Ernesto. We'd seen a few extravagantly coloured birds and butterflies and heard distant howler monkeys. One thing I'd been pleased not to see was a fer de lance. It's one of the only snakes that um, has a partner for its whole life. If you kill one, you've got to kill the other because the other one will actually come looking for you. When it's striking, it'll uh, coil up and then rise up and come flying at you. It's able to actually jump 10 to 15 feet. After the first couple of days, you, the snakes are the least of your concerns, uh, the jaguars, uh, because the animals are more afraid of you than, than you are of them. The wildlife, I think, of the Darien is in the people that you meet in the rainforest. It's, it's a buffer zone. There's no such thing as a border. There's kind of a network of, of uh, smuggling, uh, everything from refrigerators to microwave ovens to uh, fine scotch, whiskey, uh, cigarettes. There's a big network of guerrillas fighting the contrabandists, of the contrabandists fighting the army, of the army fighting the paramilitaries. So the wildlife in the Darien has got nothing really to do with the animals or the trees. It's got to do with the people in the area. Well, that's Richard Emblin's jaundiced view of the kind of people you might come upon in the Darien Gap rainforest and wish you hadn't. And uh, I think I might take issue with the uh, idea that anybody could possibly uh, be trying to smuggle a refrigerator through that uh, denser undergrowth and uh, across swamps and rivers. Of course, we welcome your contributions. Maybe you have smuggled a fridge a significant distance through the rainforest or had a close but survivable encounter with a fair de lance snake. You can tweet us at you should have BT or go to anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there and leave us a voice message. Next week, we are going from the macro empires of the rainforest to the microstates of Europe, from Andorra to the Vatican. Well, we'll leave you this week with some rainforest sounds and music. This is a recording of Belizean Brookdown music, which was given to me by a very nice DJ whose name I don't know from Radio Belize um, many, many years ago. Uh, Brookdown has its roots in the music of the European loggers who came to rip out the mahogany trees from the forests in the 19th century. But it also has a serious uh, addition of Caribbean sounds from the uh, island peoples who also settled in their leads. Until next week, from me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. Goodbye. Goodbye. Right down the rocky road. Right down the rocky road. Mali, mali, mali. I meet up on a pretty girl. Mali, mali, mali. Pretty, 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 p